Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Keller, and today I have Ross O'Rourke from Agile Onboarding to discuss about applicant tracking systems. So if you're a recruiter and you have a great ATS, you can really streamline your activities and ultimately help you fill positions quicker. And if you have a bad ATS, it can completely bog down your time and create more monotonous tasks in a recruiter's day. So today we're going to talk about, is your ATS derailing your recruiting productivity? I love this topic. I love anything that can speak to our cleared recruiting audience. So Ross, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for for having me. So we're going to get into agile onboarding, agile recruiting. But first, let's talk about sort of the nuts and bolts of a good applicant tracking system. What are the components of a fantastic ATS? Sure. Well, this is a long list, but, but generally it can be summed up to a few things. I mean, good applicant tracking systems, they need uh, first and foremost a repository for resumes where recruiters can easily search for skill sets, skill sets, education, mostly keywords and technologies, and then also leverage prior conversations. So when they speak with candidates, they're going to pull things out that are not gathered in the res or that, that can't be seen in the resume. And there needs to be some mechanism to mine that data to to log that data and then mine it. So those are search those are search capabilities. So search in an ATS is super important and we do see a lot of unfortunately a lot of ATSs on the market that that make it super cumbersome and really hard for recruiters to search their own data. Sure. And being able to present that data in a user-friendly capacity, I would say as well. And there's nothing more embarrassing when a recruiter is reaching out and, you know, that candidate has already had a pretty long and drawn out conversation, maybe with another recruiter on their team. And then, you know, your organization looks unprofessional and, it's so being able to present that data, I think, you know, mine that data, present that data and allow because good data is isn't anything if you can't make interpretations out of it. Right. Exactly. And that goes into some nuanced, you know, things about great ATSs, like having a capability to identify duplicate candidate identities and then merge them. And that would prevent, you know, if you have three John Smiths in the system, you know, one recruiter is calling one of those identities, it's the same person and could essentially, you know, end up putting their foot in their mouth if they, the, the candidate had interviews or a recruiting activity with, with someone else in the organization. Sure. So what other sort of recruiting functions can a bad ATS completely derail and kind of, you know, throw off the entire recruitment process? Absolutely. I mean, aside from the search capabilities, uh, you need a good ATSs have some sort of workflow mapping mechanism. So you you must be able to map candidates to specific opportunities and then visually see exactly where the candidate is at in the hiring process. I like to say that every stage 
of the hiring process at your company should be pre-established. You should always know the next steps and good organizations have consistent hiring processes. So for, for, for people to come in and see visually exactly where candidates are at in the hiring process at a glance at all times, uh, I think that's super important. So we see a lot of bad ATSs. They map candidates just to applications and there's no way to see a bird's eye view, a more broad view of all hiring activity for your company or a portfolio or a department. That's one thing. Another thing that bad ATSs can completely derail is recruiter momentum. I mean, momentum is such a powerful thing when you're doing inside sales, which is what recruiting is. You're looking at lists and making contact, emails, calls, texts. So, you know, you want your ATS should enable momentum for the recruiter. You should be able to set call lists and just seamlessly roll through those uh, without cumbersome clicking and you know having to do tons of clicks just to get to the next person in your list. Yes, makes total sense. And I know that especially in terms of pipelining and keeping candidates warm, uh, recruitment marketing and sending all of those emails and texts in a timely fashion, not to you know overload candidates, but also to make those touch points is a, a very important piece, especially in recruiting today where the ball is totally in the candidate's court. You know, yeah, it's such a tight labor market. So are these communications included in a good ATS? Because I know that, you know, when I first started in recruiting, recruitment marketing wasn't necessarily as big of a deal as it is today. So uh, tell us a little bit more about that and maybe what other tools that a good ATS should include. Absolutely. So You know, a great ATS would allow you to email, text, and call, you know, directly through the application. So click of a button, you know, do it right through the app. And a great ATS will also, if if you're sending emails or receiving emails to, you know, not in the ATS through, through your normal email system, it'd be nice to have a mechanism to go grab those and, and parse those in. So no conversation with the candidate is ever lost. So those are super important pieces. Uh, to your point, it right now in 2022, it is a candidate market. Everybody has jobs. Everybody needs help. And so something that'll set your company ex- aside is the candidate experience. You know, if you have an applicant tracking system that automates all those communication points the candidate is going to end up having a more, a better, more professional, more streamlined ex, uh, experience. And that could very well be the difference maker of why they go with your company over the competitors. You know, they can say, hey, throughout my hiring process, from the time the recruiter called me until my first day, I was just cradled through the hiring process. Um, and so the candidate experience is so, so important. And good ATSs should account for that and enable that and if possible, automate it. Absolutely. I mean, if you're paying for a tool and, you know, a good amount of money for a tool, you want the tool to be good. <laughs> so, I, you know, another really important point on how the the back end of recruitment processes, they should be making recruiters lives easier and they should be making candidates more inclined to join your company. But, you know, with systems, it, it doesn't necessarily stop there. So I know that 
um, you have some experience in this and how recruiting and HRIS systems, why it's important to have a one-stop shop and why it's important to keep that process seamless. So when a candidate is cradled through the recruitment process, they feel the same as they go through onboarding, which is another important piece of employee retention. So tell us a little bit more about why having a one-stop shop system is so important. It's a great, great point. And, you know, to be quite honest, I haven't seen a fantastic one-stop shop system out there. I've, I've demoed multiple applicant tracking and HRIS systems, and it seems like there's some really fleshed out HRIS systems. And then they've kind of said, Hey, we should probably get into an ATS as well. And then as a result, the ATS is just kind of poor. It's not really geared towards high power recruiting, but then you've got these applicant tracking systems that are geared towards high power recruiting, automatic texting, calling, emailing, making call lists, uh, high volume recruiting, but they, they lack completely with onboarding. And, you know, once that employee becomes an employee, now what? Um, so it's tough to find a great system. I, I think that if if you can't find a great one-stop shop, you should at least make sure that your applicant tracking system has preset integrations to HRI, the, the most common HRIS systems. There's not a lot of ATSs that also do, for example, time and expense, uh, where you employees submit their time card and, and all that good stuff. Um, so as long as your applicant tracking system has a seamless integration, I think that the pass off from recruiter to now employee and manager, that should be seamless. And so, you know, we spoke, I spoke to the importance of onboarding as an employee retention tool. And especially today where it is a candidate's market and there are too many jobs open for the candidates available, they're able to field all of these different offers. We have I've seen quite a few job hoppers just because they're able to. I mean, and, and you know, they, they should leverage that, I, I think, from a candidate's perspective. But from an employer's perspective, employer retention, you know, meaning lower turnover rates and therefore not having to recruit for as many backfills and you can focus on new billets and, you know, new revenue. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, the first, the, the first thing companies can do to um, avoid attrition is to have a super clear purpose and be extra vocal about that with their employees. Have a culture that means something and, and then be vocal about that. Remind your employees very regularly why we exist and what we're all here for. So the purpose is, is important. The culture is, is so important. And that's first and foremost with retention. Also, if employers would realize how much money it costs them to hire a new employee, either by the cost of their own recruiters or staffing agencies. They could spend that money on employee culture events or gifts to, to make the employee, the employment experience better for the employee. And that could lead to less attrition as well. But in terms of how onboarding leads to less attrition, I think Katie, that you're right. There's a great there's a great point there. A candidate's uh, first impression it could be a very a lasting one and may determine if they stay with you for six months or six years. So some, some little tricks that we've seen and that I've implemented at my past company are, for instance, like we pre-recorded video messages from the CEO after the employee accepts their offer. So immediately when the employee accepts an offer, they get a video message from the CEO in their inbox, welcome them to the company. 
things like automating the swag. So the, you know, the day they sign their employment offer, you, you send them a, a swag pack and they get that before they start work. These are things that are relatively inexpensive and, and touch people's hearts and they make them believe that your company is special. And those are things that you can automate in the onboarding process. Sure. Well, great lead into my next question, because it there is still such a human, even though we live in such a digital space these days, there is still that human component that is so necessary to recruitment. So it isn't all about tech. I mean, there's obviously some processes that you need to be automating and, you know, Clearance Jobs has a few of those tools. I know good ATSs have those tools. But there are some recruiting tasks that have to be done manually within a good ATS. So could you talk a little bit about what recruiters, what, what they should be focusing on in, in terms of that human part of the process? Absolutely. I, I think that this um, can be boiled down to just a few things. One, first and foremost, there needs to be a regular recruiting stand-up meeting or a scrum meeting. And I recommend doing that every single day. It takes 10 minutes. You have your recruiters, your recruiting manager, your BD person, your ops people, and your security officer and your HR people huddle for 10 minutes and say, where are all these candidates at in the process? Who's The ball is in whose court with this candidate? And so by that con- continual getting on the same page, you never leave candidates hanging. And just that touch base alone leads to significantly faster hiring process. Super important. Another thing is recruiters need to understand that it is a, a contact sport. And the more people that you contact and, and connect with, the more people that you could eventually hire. And it truly is a numbers game. I've, we've tried to outsmart it with qualitative sourcing. And what we found time and time again is that the, the more people you contact, it just leads to more results. So there needs to be a precise mechanism for follow-ups and recruiters should make call lists and set aside blocks of time for outreach and, you know, do your sourcing in bulk, all your search and sourcing. And then when it's time to do outreach, you set aside a couple or a few hours and you hit the phones and the texts and the email back to back to back to back, create momentum, and then have a systematic way to follow up with the candidates and then the last thing that I think from a tactical level that companies need to do is they must have recruiting analytics. You have to have uh, key performance indicators for your recruiting staff. You need to know exactly how many submissions, interviews, and, and offers and starts that each recruiter should have every month, every year. And then you measure to those KPIs. And if they're not meeting the KPIs, you need a mechanism to look at activity. Actually, how many calls, emails, texts, phone conversations are being had? And you can kind of peel back the onion as a recruiting manager to determine if your recruiters are putting in the amount of effort that it takes, but just not getting the results for some reason, um, or if they're just not even making the contacts. So those three things, the the recruiting, the daily recruiting stand-up and the, uh, the, you know, doing, doing your sourcing and your outreach and blocks and having follow-up uh, mechanisms in place, and then also the, the clear insight and analytics to activity. Those three things at a tactical level um, will really supercharge uh, your company's recruiting 
effort. Amazing. Well said. And, you know, we've seen successful companies, you know, stay successful in recruitment and, you know, filling positions in a timely fashion. And as they are awarded new contracts, they continue to fill those positions. So there is sort of a method to the madness. It's just, you know, getting a good team together and sort of following those three things that you just mentioned. And so one of those being scrum meetings, daily standups. Actually, when I took a, a, a brief hiatus from the, the defense contracting sector and I worked for a, a tech startup, the entire company, you know, the HR teams, the BD teams, marketing teams, including the dev team, they all operated in sort of this agile methodology and they found it really successful. And so let's talk a little bit about agile recruiting, which I think you know a little bit about. Sure. I mean, agile recruiting, it is defined. So, so the agile uh, approach is, is, was started with software engineering. And essentially it was just that teams gathered, they had their scrum meetings and then they, they had complete visibility to who's doing what, and then they worked in sprints. So um, we've adopted that and, you know, we've, there's a now a coined term called agile recruiting. And does your organization have an agile recruiting team, an agile recruiting process? And it's just that it's the daily scrum meeting or the recruiting stand up which gets everybody on the same page. Agile recruiting means there's no walls between your recruiters and the hiring managers and HR. Everybody has transparency and we are all working to onboard candidates as fast as possible. And then agile recruiting means complete visibility and accountability for, for each, each phase in a candidate's hiring experience. We need to know exactly who's responsible to move it forward and that way we can do so more quickly. And then, like I said, uh, you know, agile recruiting, they work in sprints. That means, you know, do your sourcing and search during non prime time call hours. And then when it's time to do outreach, that is all you're doing and you're focused and you can gain momentum and recruiters on average will, will make significantly more contacts if they block off uh, sprints to do outreach. So those four things are, really the agile recruiting process. And we're starting to, at my organization, Agile Onboarding, we're starting to kind of get, help the industry adopt that. And a lot of companies are just seeing so much success. So it's really cool. Well, and that's really where the analytics come in. You know, having those analytics in place, they will tell you when your primetime call hours should be. They will tell you when your your outreach or making new connections or sourcing time timing should be within the team. Absolutely. And I, I like to see time, time to fill and time and stage. I mean, you know, I like to see how long candidates sit in the submission phase or the interview phase or the send offer phase. How long do they sit there before they move to the next one? And then, like I said, a good ATS can look at these time and stage analytics and they can peel it back by hiring manager by department, by contract, and, and look for problem ch children, so to speak. Look for your slow-moving programs or projects or hiring managers, and then coach them to, you know, to speed things up and eventually, you know, save candidates who who would otherwise back out because things are taking too long. And a lot of recruiting teams and recruiting managers will say, you know, I just don't have time to track time to fill or cost to hire or all these really important metrics. And it really does make the difference in your team being successful when you are just more informed about your specific process. And so 
recruiters and hiring managers and recruiting managers, they all need to make time to to do these analytics and to figure out what these metrics are, time to fill and cost to hire being the top two that that I've seen recently. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, it, it will prove to be you know successful for your team and your in filling billets. No doubt, and those those metrics are so important. You know, we can't we can't overemphasize how important the analytics and the metrics are for your recruiting activity because it will give leadership. You will know whether your recruiter's bad or your, your hiring managers are bad, or your, your HR and support team are bad. You know, by having the metrics and the data, you'll clearly know who's, who's dropping the ball and where we need to coach. If you, if you have interest in looking at the Agile recruiting process, our company is called Agile Onboarding. It's agileonboarding.com. And you can check us out in what we do. And otherwise, happy hunting and good luck out there. <laughs> sure, happy recruiting. Yeah, so Agile Onboarding, you can get a bird's eye view of your entire hiring pipeline. They have a collaborative hiring board, Agile Analytics. They offer reports for OFCCP compliance, among other things. For more information on cleared recruiting news and cleared recruiting tricks, you can visit news.clearedstrobs.com.